Episode number 59. Can't pull that off. <laughs> All right, you ready? I'm Clay Lowe. And I'm Sarah Beth Hunt. You're listening to the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast. Where we get together once a week over coffee to talk about the big questions of life. Let's get into the show. And we're back at the Havana Cafe. This is twice in one week. Yeah. I'm sure most listeners know that we pre-record the shows so we can edit and get everything sort of right in its place. Um, but this week, we've, this is, we were here on Thursday, and now we're here on Saturday morning, which is okay. Any excuse to have a coffee is good enough for me. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so we're recording. We had to jump in because tomorrow is a special day. Yes, it is. What is and what's tomorrow? Tomorrow is George Orwell's birthday. Ah, uh, yes, George Orwell. And tell us what you always used to do on his, or you'd still do on his birthday. On his birthday, uh, there's a number, and it's been, in fact, this will be year number 10 now. We gather at his grave in Sutton Courtney. Um, Where is that? uh, In Oxfordshire. Oh, really? Yeah, so if you head, go past Oxford and you'll turn off and you'll be there. Um, So we have this 1984 symposium is what it's called. And essentially, just like a symposium uh, is, and we get together and we have um, lunch and snacks. Just a big picnic at his grave, um, actually. In fact, uh, we'll, put, we'll post pictures of previous ones and actually give you, maybe even give you some footage from this year's one as well. So there's a lot of stuff. That, anyway, we get there, and uh, we just pretty much talk about the state of um, privacy versus security issues which we have going on at the moment now so if you think about the um our our civil liberty our article number eight of the human rights act says that everyone has the right to respect has the right to respect for his private and family life his home and his correspondence uh the right to privacy protects you against unnecessary and heavy-handed state surveillance and intrusion into your personal life and this is where the symposiums hinges on here because whether people are aware of it or not there is you know that's whole heavy-handed there is a lot of heavy-handed state surveillance that i'm not i'm not convinced that people actually realize the extent to how you know how much of our private lives isn't actually all that private well it's been good opportunity to revisit 1984 because it's kind of something that lives large in our imagination but it's been a really long time since i've actually read the book yeah and so you know some of like some of the phrases and stuff so you know like just to have a quick kind of overview is you know the 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 main character is winston smith and he lives in airstrip one which is essentially britain but broken down by war right and then It's just kind of about him. He works for the state, rewriting history to make it, adjust it. And that never happens, does it? Yeah. In real life. (laughs) No, definitely not. And um, so, you know, the the story is basically about him kind of negotiating through this, like, future dystopian world where Big Brother is the head of state and every house has what like a telly screen and microphones and cameras everywhere and, and that's not happening now, everybody is it? knows <laughs> well you know the thing is we think that that's what north korea is like yeah you know when we think about big brother we think about that thing and you know north kim korea, jong-un like does a good job yeah. at kind of being that kind of weird big brother thing you know and, and cracking down hard but it's it's a little bit harder for us to kind of see what's happening yeah, or we, ri- or just right around us. We pretend not to see it, I think, <laughs> is what we do. And or, so we either pretend not to see it or maybe, and maybe even us having this conversation now, you know, is going to put us on the list once this goes out. <laughs> you know that, though. You do realize. You do realize I'm, having s- this, I'm still living in the slightly are. putting my head in the sand Well, you won't world. be anymore now. You're going to go right. higher up on that. I don't know if I want to know. See, this is the thing. It's like sometimes it's like when you don't have any control over it. It's better not to know. Ignorance is bliss. I don't think so. But yeah, yeah, sometimes it feels a little bit like that. Sometimes it feels these kind of things can feel. And I get why people want to not think about it because it's scary. Yeah. You know, it's quite scary. And, you know, so so I was on a plane 
Sorry, I'm going to grab my coffee because I need it. I, um, I was on a plane and I rewatched the Minority Report. Right. And uh, that was really interesting too, which I, I, some, someone had mentioned it to me because of the and advent that's not of, happening now either, ad, is it? the advent of driverless <laughs> cars. But actually, like, you know, for those of you who remember Minority Reports with Tom Cruise in this future world where it, there's a pre-crime thing, they like predict that you're going to commit a crime and they arrest you before you've actually been able to do it. Which they are doing now, for real. Really? Well, they don't arrest you for it, but they can predict when, if you're going to create a future crime, yeah. With these algorithms. Algorithms are cool, man. Oh, my man. God, this is scary. No, it is, absolutely. Well, even when you think about Amazon, Amazon knows what you're going to buy before you buy it. I know we mentioned this on the show I before. Know, to the point true. where they'll have stuff ready, moved closer to you, which is why you can get your stuff faster. Um, and in some cases, already on the truck before you've even made a decision to click the button. That's how much data they have on you and how much they know about you and how much they can use these algorithms to predict your actions, which is absolutely crazy. I can I got a link to an article that talks about um, that very thing. The Amazon, Amazon thing? Yeah. Okay. We're going to yeah. stick that in the show notes. So, um, yeah, basically, but the, the other kind of thing that Minority Report really brought home was the visual of the state surveillance that mm. isn't actually, you know, I suppose when when Orwell wrote 1984, was it 49? He wrote that book, I think. Yeah. And so it seemed like that kind of technology was really far away, I bet, at that point. In 1949. Yeah, so basically, now that we're in that age where it doesn't seem so impossible, even if you think it's not happening, we can see the technology is, is becoming there. Not becoming, it is here. Yeah. Think about it. Think about the TV see, screen. I'm where still people can resisting. See, the webcam and these smart TVs. And remember when they started coming onto the scene and all the press that came up because the companies, your Amazons, your Samsungs, the people that sell you these things, they actually can turn your camera on to monitor what you're doing, again, to predict what you're going to buy. And so, but they didn't tell anybody. I mean, they, they told you, but they didn't tell you because it was hidden in your. In the tiny, the, tiny print that no one ever that reads. That no one ever reads. And, and the thing is, even if you read it, you have, to, you, you have to make a choice between whether you're going to buy into the technology at all, which you want to do because it allows you to do all the things you yeah, want to do, or you, know, you have to completely live off-grid, yeah. you know, which who wants <laughs> to do that? Exactly. You know, so, well, and actually, you know, when I was coming into the airport after that, when I was coming back into Britain after visiting my family... Um, I normally come through Birmingham, yeah. so which is a much smaller airport, and because I still have an American passport, but you know I'm usually traveling with my husband who's British and my kids who have British passports. I and they keep, you know and I have my permanent residency. They say go through the yeah. you know EU and, and UK thing. So I thought, oh good, I'll go do that because I'm getting off the plane with a bunch of uh, Americans and Canadians who are like you know clogging up the queue going through the. And no, I can't do that now because they have face recognition. Yeah. So in Heathrow, they have, for British citizens, face, facial recognition. So you scan, you, you don't even see anybody anymore. You scan your passport. Then the facial recognition thing scans you to make sure that that is indeed you. And then you just go through the barrier. And it's like, whoa. I guess I haven't been. Where is this at? Is that Birmingham now? No, this is Heathrow. I haven't flown out of Heathrow for a while yet. So yeah. you don't have to go through a... Not if, you're not if you're British. Right. So you just have the whole... Or if you have a British passport, yeah. And can you opt out? Just like you can opt out of the, going through the body scan? See, I don't know. Because I, I suppose you could technically still get in the line for the foreigners. Hmm. But there must be an opt-out button. Because, again, that's very evasive if you're talking about privacy. So somebody has a database where they have they can that you're in and they can recognize your face and your data is hooked up to that database yeah. and what you don't know is who else has access to that That's right. data so i think it's what are they doing with it yeah yeah i think that that was the thing about watching minority report and even when it came out what in, i don't know it wasn't that long ago maybe 10 years ago or something like that yeah <laughs> doesn't seem that up. long ago yeah. but um you know 
all of that stuff. You know, when he's walking through the malls and stuff, and they're like, hello, Mr. So-and-so, would you like to buy this? Because they, they have all his data about what he's bought in the past and what he might like and, his, and profiling him for future pur- purchases of stuff. And you think all that stuff actually isn't that far away at all. No, but it's that it is... No, but I mean, mean we're, we're, not, we're not quite walking through a mall. And, you are. But it's not feeding back to us, I it mean. It is, on your phone. Yeah, true. Yeah, you, okay. you get text oh saying God, stop that it. you're here. That was 2002, that movie came out. But you do, you get, because we got the GPS now, and the more, and more you see, you'll get texts from various companies saying this sale on or this thing's on. But these, uh, the um, boards that they're putting in the mall now, the billboards change based off of your face. So they have the facial recognition in it. They look at your, so they don't, so for those ones, they're not looking at your at your personal data, like the water thing. If you're a woman or a man, they're uh, looking at your demographic and yeah. your what your and going off of that, what your demographics are, and then feeding you the ad based off of your and demographic. It, you know, it's funny because, like, in some ways, this can feel not so t- terrible because you know it's 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 in a way if you're an individual and marketing is coming at you you'd rather have marketing coming at you for things that you might actually enjoy rather than just the onslaught that we've endured for the past you know 20 years or more hmm. just with you know you have to you're sit there watching your tv show and then well we don't watch advertisements anymore on tv because we all yeah, have boxes and i don't have tv i just watch on the internet but you know it's like in the past when we were growing up you had to sit through all the commercials and some of them were for people that had nothing to do you know so in that sense I think you know like when I see advertisements come up onto my Facebook feed and stuff and they're targeted at me they're usually stuff that I'm interested in so I don't mind that kind of targeting but But doesn't it call into question one how do they know that yeah and then well I know how some of them know that because I'm on mailing lists and stuff like that but yeah yeah but even worse than that I'm sure it's 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 you know think about when you visit any website. And oh, I get all kinds of yoga stuff now because I've liked things yeah. about yoga. Because yeah. you've been there. But it's, it's yeah. so the question, and you're right, and I think from the positive side of this, as we think about technology to make our lives better. So, yes, I can walk through the mall and it gives me advertisements of things that I'd be interested in or going to be interested in. Um, it's great. The, the breakdown comes is where are they getting the data from? Mostly they get it. And you unwittingly give it to them. You know, when you tick this box, tick that box, or read this, you're not realizing what data you actually are giving up and what they can do with it. But it's, it is then, where does this data sit and who has access to the data is where the issue starts to become. So, you know, your facial recognition thing in Heathrow, okay, great. It's security and it makes you know, life easier to get through the airport, but okay, so... Where's that data at? What else? Who has access to it? And what else are they allowed to do with it? And yeah. there's been plenty of headlines, and you've got to do is go and Google them, um, where they've lost your data, and your data now is out in the wild and, and not somewhere yeah, and, and, for and other people to in, use. You know, identity, identity theft has become like such a massive thing these days, isn't it? Absolutely. So yeah. here's... Um, yeah, are you going to get into... Well, I was going to say, there's, well, there's a couple of articles that we could link to. Just, you know, I'm not like a big conspiracy nut and anti-government thing. Because I've come to the conclusion that, ours, that, our, that we don't have privacy anymore. So I've just come to the conclusion that we have the illusion that we have still privacy. But I believe we have no privacy. And I know some people you know say that's ironic? just me giving up. You know what's ironic? We have privacy up. among, like, us minions. <laughs> We don't. You know, like you and I have privacy, like in the sense that you can't read, you personally okay, can't individual. read my email. So all the people that don't but have I, power have privacy amongst each other. But, but if but I wanted to read your email, it would cost me about 20 quid and I could have access to your don't email. Don't spend your money. I don't have that yeah. much excitement. Well, I know. I, would, I don't want to. <laughs> um, but yeah, if I, if I wanted yeah. no, I know your what you're email, I could get into your email. Because there's plenty of people out there who... Man, I have Hotmail. That thing is, like, tight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> tight. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, um, so, yeah. So, I guess on the one end, is it me opting out, saying, okay, well, they got our data anyway, so I'm not going to do any of it. Because so my friends that meet at the 1984 Symposium, they're doing that t- on, well, tomorrow. won't be tomorrow for you guys, but on Sunday, June 25th, which mm-hmm. is actual 
um, Orwell's birthday. Um, you know, some diehards here who are really fighting against and fighting the government and trying to expose all these places where they are stealing our data, whereas I've kind of gone, well, it's out there and they have it, so, you know, I'll just live with it, that kind of thing. So there's an article that was in The Guardian, and we can link to this. The government just admitted it will use smart home devices for spying. Uh, it's an article written by uh, Trevor Tem. But even Samsung, the TV guys, they say, then uh, said uh, Samsung smart TV privacy poly- policy warn- warning users warns users not to discuss personal info in front of their TV because I can they can turn on your webcam and see and listen to what you are doing. They can do it on your phone as well, so they can listen to conversations with your phones. Which is what I'm saying, once we release this out, if you thought you weren't on and list, I think you know, you're going to be Well, the list. problem is too that 10 years ago, <laughs> this might have been something that you think, well, but the limiting factor, of course, is that there have to be people on the other end of that processing that data and watching, but that doesn't have to be the case anymore well, no, because, of course, do computers do it. The computers and the algorithms all correlate yeah. all that sort of stuff up and essentially all flag up. So, so I guess you could take some maybe measure to say that unless you trip the alarms really high, then the chances are they're not going to do anything with it. It's when you trip the alarms higher that where your minority report comes in so yeah uh, but again we probably don't have or we don't have visibility on where that scale is so at what point do you move up a category yeah um and then what point trips the alarm and says okay we'll go grab that person because you know they've hit the algorithm says boom and of course you know there's that famous poem from the from the holocaust about how you know first they came for the it starts off like I don't know, the gays, and I wasn't gay, so I didn't mm. speak up, and then they came for the, you know, Catholics, but I wasn't Catholic, so I didn't speak up, and then they came for the Jews, and I wasn't Jewish, so I didn't speak up, and then they came for me as the end poem. So it's like, you know, right now, I suppose my reflection on that just is that, like, the things that trip things now aren't necessarily going to be the things that trip forever. Yeah. You know, that, like, right now, certain profiles and certain kinds of behaviors are going to, you know, activate that. It's the algorithms that get really scary because it's the predictable. So the algorithms say we got all this big data. These algorithms make it possible to make a minority report, you know, essentially, you know, right now for us. I'm sure they're not, we're not using it to predict a crime and arrest you for a crime, but you can move up on a list where mm-hmm. I'm actually paying more attention to what it is that... that that you're doing well tell me about since we're speaking about like personal data and stuff tell us about jennifer lynn monroe no moron yeah so the, the, she's an interesting lady and i came across her about was well, must have been about and we i can send this put this link we'll have lots of links in this one um but essentially what she's she was a, an art student and her product that she was doing was to um pretty much and you can go to her website, actually, because now she's incorporated herself. But basically what she's done is all this data that's being collected, she made a website where people can see all the data. Like, you can see exactly where she is right now, and you can see all the different data uh, on her. But what she then did with that, from the, the progression of this art project, was to incorporate herself, make herself a corporation. So she has made herself as an individual a corporation. Yeah. So she is now she's Jennifer Lynn Moran... LLC, L- yeah, uh, yeah, incorporated. Yeah, so she's a limited with the trademark behind her name. Absolutely, she's there's a the little li- TM behind limited her name. Limited liability company now she is, and basically what she, partly what she was trying to do from when she was doing it as an art project, was to say, well, heck, all these big companies like Amazon and Google and all these people are using our data, but we're not getting anything out of it other than giving me the right ad to buy more money to make them yeah. more money. So what she did was make herself a corporation so that now she doesn't even own her own data about her own personal data of herself her company owns it her company now owns it which she's experimenting with different ways of saying well now how can i start charging the amazons of the world for using my data now that i am a company just like them and that's my intellectual property now is my personal data 
Um, and it's yeah. interesting her site if you go visit her site I don't know if it's changed I didn't look at it today uh, where you can go and you, because it's a public company you can see all you know where she's at and all that other stuff and, mm. um, yeah so it was quite fascinating um, she says it's a new business established to determine the value of an individual mm. so in an exploration of personal data exploitation by corporations and government and in this article, which we'll link in the notes, about her, where someone's interviewing her about yeah. her thing, she says, now that I have, which I found so interesting, like, when you think about, we think, okay, you know, both of us being raised in the U.S., you have, like, the Declaration of Independence, and, and we have all these different documents that we look at and, and think they guarantee our personal freedoms and that our, our, we as individuals are sovereign in freedom and all this, all this, all these rights, you know, that that companies don't have. And actually, what we are not kind of realizing also is that companies have vastly more rights than individuals these days, which is so messed up. But anyway, her kind of experiment has really brought this out that she, as an individual, doesn't have as many rights as she does now that she has made her individual self a corporation. Yeah. So she says. Now that I have incorporated myself, I have legally created another person with my name in the eyes of the law. In the U.S., my corporate self has not only the same, but even more rights and benefits than I do as an individual. My corporate self takes on any responsibility, and I am not liable for its actions or debt, only my initial investments. This is why we see companies able to go bankrupt, get bailouts, or get away with ruthlessness without anyone being charged or responsible for what happens. Yeah. Because of course, we think about the banks these days. They're sort of legal entities, aren't they? Yeah. So if you have any of this technology you're in, um, you've got all these all-seeing listening devices, so your televisions, smart TVs, Xbox Connect, Amazon Echo, the cars, you know, the satellite programs that are in those, your... Um, your refrigerators, even your Barbies now, because they have... Well, and of course, the Amazon Echo technology is now getting put into all of these... Yeah, baby kind of monitors, Google's yeah. Nest thermostat, and I was having... Yeah, they have baby monitors that, that project onto the internet, so like my, <laughs> um, my parents-in-law used to be able to go onto the internet and watch the video cam of, of their like grandson or my nephew sleeping, yeah, yeah. which was in a way so amazing and so cute, but you think about that's connected to the internet. It's connected to the internet it's, and that data's going through somewhere. And what um, one of the scary things about all the smart, so the internet of things is another phrase that people are here. So your refrigerator's now getting smart enough to you can put your inventory in. It knows when you're out of milk and orders milk automatically for you. Dang, I could use that. Yeah. We're um, always out of milk. Cars, these <laughs> things, there's internet of things. But what's happening with those is that big companies, are, they haven't... So like you have your personal network, your Wi-Fi, and you've got all the security protocols around it. It makes it harder to hack. Your refrigerator isn't that hard to hack because they don't put the security measures in it because it would probably make the... Not probably, it would make the... T, the refrigerator the costs to great and so if that device is connected so the vulnerability becomes that device because it's easy to hack that and once I've hacked that because it's connected to your Wi-Fi I'm into your network and the, everything's in compromise from there but there's another if you again if you google this where the hackers have taken over people's cars you know, so, yeah, I think this is, we're in the vulnerable generation, aren't we? Because see, my kids and, and probably your kids as well are kind of raised now on the idea of computers and coding and all this kind of stuff. And I think for, for my kids, there probably won't be any generation now that doesn't know basic coding yeah. and, and basic kind of understanding about how computers work. Whereas like, we're in that generation that grew up with computers, and so even though we can use them, like I personally use a lot on the internet now, mm. and I don't have a concept of how these things work really. You know, so like when you say you get in through the refrigerator and you go and like, that's like, oh, that that can happen because I don't really understand how yeah, these things most connect. Most people don't, and in the yeah. and the and the. People that make the manufacturers make the they're willing to take that hit, you know. They don't care. They, they, exactly. So you know, I don't care about my data. If you've got a, a, I don't care about a me, modern man. car and your tires 
feeding a central computer that says, you know, that's monitoring the wear and tear of the tire, but then feeds that to you on your smartphone. Well, I can hack in through your tire, which sounds ludicrous, but that (laughs) becomes a vulnerability. I started taking a course on, um, they call it ethical hacking. So, you know, the bad hackers go in and they do the bad things, but I've been learning to be an ethical hacker. So... But that opened my eyes. What to, is ethical hacking? Um, it's, it was hacking, but you don't. I don't do it to go and get your data and do bad things with it. In fact, if I was going to like hack your machine, I would tell you I'm going to hack your machine because I'm practicing doing whatever. Um, but in learning this hacking skill, you you understand how hackers are looking for the various different yeah. vulnerabilities, and there's all these programs that you can run. So. It's, you know, you don't have to sit there doing it manually. There's programs you set up, and they just go and they look for Wi-Fi connection. Got a Wi-Fi connection, it runs all these different attacks until it finds a vulnerability to get in, which is why, you know, switching to, if you have your, and I think you and I talked about VPNs, is, is um, um, having a VPN because it hides your internet access. That It hides oh, your Wi-Fi. Right. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so it doesn't even show up, which is makes you a little bit more secure. It makes things perhaps slower for you, but it makes your personal network more secure because it doesn't show up. Because that's just the thing. Once one of these programs, ah, there's a Wi-Fi, then I can just start all these different attacks that, you know, there's loads of them out there to find where you might be vulnerable, which might be if you had a smart TV or you've got computer or whatever you have. And I think we better take a quick break because you get me all excited about this one. We've already gone way over our break time <laughs> so let's take a break and when we come back let's um yeah we'll get more into orwell some of his uh slogan things yeah sloganeering we'll get you riled up about that <laughs> the havana cafe sessions podcast was created to carve out space for contemplation in the middle of our busy week inspired by the very ancient idea that wisdom and principles of conscious living can be found through conversation Clay and I started meeting over coffee at the Havana Cafe. From these meetings, the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast was born. And as an independent podcast, it is supported by listeners like you. Here's how you can help us support the show and continue taking time to explore the big questions in our lives. First and most importantly, you can share the podcast with friends on Facebook, Instagram, or old school like talking to your friends. Haha. <laughs> Leave a review for us on iTunes. Or you can support the show for as little as a couple of pounds or dollars a month. That's less than the coffee you are drinking right now while listening to this show by going to havanacafesessions.co.uk and hitting that contribute button. Hope you're enjoying this episode and thanks again for listening. Okay, so in um, 1984, when Winston, the main character, is kind of going through this system well he's living in this system he starts to really question it and then this uh he gets sort of connected to this underground brotherhood that are against big brother and this whole police state kind of thing and uh he gets a copy of this secret book that has an explanation of all the slogans that the that big brother is using and so some of the some of the slogans like war is peace it's like has a whole explanation on what the why they actually are in perpetual war, which I think we all I think that in a way is a little bit more recognized in the public space now, like this idea that con- this constant war that we're kind of in yeah. that there there's a kind of underbelly to that. But then the other two things are ignorance is strength and freedom is slavery. That's my favorite. Yep, so go. <laughs> well, well, freedom is slavery. And I think, well, even if you think back to the Matrix as well, and it, we had this idea that they were... F- with them, um, yeah, with, it's with, the yeah, appearance it, of freedom and the appearance yes, of choice. Exactly, which That's then right. was it made it easier for us. When he was talking to the architect, and he said, you know, the different versions that they had, and if you oppress humans and, you know, you fight and rebel and whatever, so... The best well, thing so to he's do. A, so when he's talking to the architect, the architect was, says, "We tried to do a perfect system, yes. and so many people rejected it because they just their mind couldn't wrap around the idea of a perfect world. And instead, the, we had to give them not only uh, suffering sometimes, but an appearance of choice yeah. to accept the program or not. And if you gave them the choice, almost 
you know, 99% of all people would take the programming. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, exactly. So, but it's an illusion, isn't it? Where this sort of freedom is slavery. Which is, is again, like, and and maybe, you know, if if listeners haven't listened to our, our chat on the consumer society, this kind of shows the underbelly. I'll link back to that in the show notes too, but this is like the underbelly of the consumerist society. So not only are we like consuming are we being fed through the system stuff stuff to consume but i i kind of do feel like that is the choices we're given now it's like what do you buy with your money rather than other choices that we might have about i don't know things that are a bit more important maybe yeah it's um well but it leads you into that sort of false sense of security in a sense and um because, we, well, yeah, we think we have the sort of freedoms that we have, and then I don't question, and so I'm just in this, I guess, in this conformed... I'm, I'm just in this herd-like mentality state, and I'm just going through, because things seem right, so there's nothing for me to rebel against or yeah. to push against. Um, but then when you start to... I think when you start to really scratch, go below the surface and start to really look at it, then you can see just... One, how, you know, we're talking about surveillance and security, just how much we're being, our privacy is not private. Yeah. Um, and then just how much we actually are being controlled. I'm trying to remember the name of the show that was on Amazon um, original. Um, another main character is Elliot, um, and, but it was about this whole hacker society aspect. Oh, right. And okay. they were trying to. Um, break down that system. I'll keep trying to find it on here, but I'm sure a listener will know exactly what, what show that I'm talking about. But if you haven't watched that show, and if I don't get it before the end of this one, then we'll link it into the show notes. But watch the first season of that. I don't think the second season was that great, but the first season, as you one, you learn how hackers do what they do, because Elliot, this main character, is a, um, he's a... Um, he probably, well, he's not an ethical hacker, but his hacking, he hacks people who are doing bad things. Okay. And then that's how he gets them to stop doing bad things by exposing the stuff that he's, or showing them the stuff that he has on them. Right. And threatening to turn it over to the police if they don't stop doing what, what they're doing. Um, but then he ends up running into a crew like Anonymous. You know, you see the guys with those funny theater masks on. Well, mm-hmm. They're in this program as well but they want to do what we're talking about here is that they want to break that system of control that the government has and surveillance and that sort of thing so they're trying to recruit him in because he's this you know yeah, genius brilliant yeah. Yeah. Um, so that they can destroy the sort of system but it, it's worth a watch at least the first season um, at any rate so back to Mr. 1984 and well so and the other thing is this um, ignorance is strength which to me is like, you know, and, and the idea of, of in Orwell of the control of information and facts and stuff. Because, you know, we're now living apparently in this world of alternative facts. And that's a phrase that now is a, has a Wikipedia oh, yes, that's like right, definition. Because exactly. Orwell's you know, book has sold pretty well since Trump came into office, isn't it? Because a lot of people were going about and rebuying it. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, you know, they're not wrong because... You know, there's a lot of people. So there's like a group of people that are making such a big deal about things like the fact that he's lied about the, um, you know, size of the inauguration speech and, you know, all the things that are almost seem like. But I think, you know, and and certainly there is to me a side of that that's kind of like, yes, the media is now run on creating drama. So they have when has to, that ever been different is what I would throw yeah, out there. Well, I mean, yeah. it's, just, it's just becoming more so because the media has so much more capacity now to, you know, have kind of, you know, access to information and to be everywhere. And, but and it was probably like worse before because we had less, less access. So we were probably yeah, easy, more always, easily bamboozled with info because it was controlled by a small conglomerate of people, basically your government. Yeah, you know, people yeah. People that could read or write. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you were just, I'm just taking your word for it that, you know, that that document says what it says type of thing. Yeah. But as we've progressed and as you say, we get these other tools are now 
coming out. Well, so that's my kind of question. It's like, on the one hand, you have alternative facts and stuff, but on the other hand, we have the rise of the internet Hmm. and the fact that information can now no longer be controlled. So, you know, there is that other side to it, isn't there? So, I mean, what do you think about that? Well, that's just, you know, one of the arguments that that would be had is because all the information is out there and can be got to, there's no, no one to screen that information to say whether it's true or not true or its validity. And so now it's out there in the wild, then people can get it, and then you start making decisions off of something, these alternative facts, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. But they're not true, but no one's done the work to research but, to uh, trace it all the way back to see where it comes from. Isn't it the case, though, that... It, that that responsibility of knowing where things are coming from always has to rest with the individual. But so people aren't, but people won't. That's no, they that, won't. They but won't. But this is but how the media is probably, and governments have probably controlled us up until now, and mm. still in some regard. Because as an as an individual, you will do. As a collective, we won't do. So there'll be individuals who'll say, "Hey, there's something like your Winston's. Something's not right quite here." And they'll start digging, and they'll start going further, and they'll start uncovering the truth and try to expose that. But the majority of people will be, well, no, I just want to go and watch well, Coronation Street. Or That's true. And <laughs> or, I mean, or, it's or, kind of fair enough. Sorry I live in that Coronation world, too. Yeah. But um, like, you know, see, we were saying before, right before we started recording, that, you know, you have companies that have have kind of sold us these smartphones and companies that are give, you know selling us smart TVs and all, all these things that are then allowing a network to be created where we can be you know surveillance yeah. can happen basically but your point about the internet is that no one controls it mm. and that it was set up that way so I mean what do you think about the fact that there is that kind of loophole in all of this the loophole in what way? In the sense that, like, in the sense that, for instance, uh, Snowden, who, you know, of course now has famously, like, exposed a lot of the stuff about surveillance from, in, from the U.S. and has had to be on the run from the law, can still speak to the world through the Internet. And there's nothing that governments can do to stop him doing that. Hmm. So there is that capacity for there to always be the another voice that for instance like if we're going back to Orwell and we're saying you know 1984 are we living in that state it's it's harder like you know 1984 like is that level of control not necessarily for everybody because of course like people aren't necessarily you know searching for the alternative facts yeah well if you just take the Monica Lewinsky thing so prior to the internet did I just use the idea of the alternative facts you probably did holy crap sorry um, about that but no but if you take the, the Monica Lewinsky s- scandal prior to the internet um, and Matt Drudge the internet allowed that story to come out because the networks the reason why he was able to because the main networks here again with screen and data said that's something we shouldn't let the public know for whatever reason they came up with those decisions and collective and you think they're all competing against each other the news organizations but you know in their secret network it was yes we're not going to print that because it doesn't need to go out the people don't need to know that internet and the Matt Drudge well actually I think the people do need and boom and it's out there and so they had no they there was no gatekeeper the screen at getting out. So I guess you could ask the question, should he have put it out? Which is the question that the big organizations were going. And then they decided for us that we didn't need to know that. But they couldn't control your Matt Drudges of the world who said, yeah, I think the people should know what's going on. And they put it out there. Or Snowden, I think the people should yeah. know what's going on. I think the, the thing about North Korea that is very true in this sense is that it's the one place in the world, and well, and, and I suppose China has this issue too that there's there's a real control over what you can access on the internet, and of course in North Korea, I don't think people know that there is the internet at all. So, yeah, but, you but know, that's, that's that's like us though. The collective people in those countries they can stop, the individual they can't stop. So there's this whole thing called the dark web that a lot of people probably don't know. So all we see is the internet, which is this tiny portion of 
of, of the vastness of this whole thing. So most people, through your normal browsers, you're at the tip of the iceberg. But there's this whole, and again, if you Google it, there's a nice diagram. I don't know when we end up writing the book if we're going to be making all these links, but it's a nice diagram that shows just a tiny bit of what most, the majority of people are, see that call the internet. But there's this whole, what they call the dark web, which is where, you know, lots of stuff goes down and happens. And in fact, if you start, you'll definitely go onto somebody's <coughs> list once you, if you don't, if you don't take the right security measures to hide your identity going into the dark web, you most definitely probably are going to trip some senses to say, because the question from a control point of view is, why does he need to go into the dark web? Because yeah. we can't see what he's doing. So alarm bell, just going to raise yeah. you up more. But there's a lot yeah. of stuff going on down in this dark web, which you can, again, if you were interested, like I'm, I'm even, because I'm, and you know, I don't, I'm hesitant. I've not gone in the dark web because I'm hesitant because, again, it's one of these things. I'm happy to be that, you know, I know that governments and stuff are looking at all my stuff. But I'm thinking if I go down there and you start tripping things and I don't actually want to. I want to. I'm happy flying below the radar, you know, and you're just being yeah. on cruise control and not tripping. So I've been hesitant to actually go and explore. But I have the capacity to do, um, but hesitant to do so but anyway there's a whole nother world cyberspace <laughs> but doesn't that give a little bit of a different spin on 1984 like that's a part of I suppose that technology has given us that Orwell couldn't have imagined that is a place where you know the control of facts can't happen by the state well, that's well, yes and no, but in the same way that the state can't control it, but they, the state, and this is again what people are only just coming to realize, is that they use it in the same way. So they'll, so yeah. a lot of your alternative yeah, yeah. facts are spread by the government that started yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. And so it's it's manipulating people because most people will not go check it out. Go yeah. check it out and do stuff. Mr. Roboto is the name of the the Amazon show uh, okay. about that hacking Mr. Roboto so check that out if you if you can or you get a chance to it's got Christian Slater um, some oh other characters oh my gosh in. Christian Slater yeah, wow yeah. that's a return from the <laughs> 90s yeah so uh, good flick to watch and then I was going to ask you this question it was in my head so who discovered America well I would like question the premise of that question because America wasn't discovered. Okay, well, who? You know, like basically. Yeah. Okay, so America. Columbus is okay. what you want me to say. Well, it is, but that's yeah. not what I want you to say because my answer, my next question was, is how do you know that? Well, okay, so we have. I mean, I suppose I'm, I'm the wrong person to ask because yeah. you know I know that like the Vikings were here way earlier. Well, can I even ask you that? Course, well, how do we know that? His, like history is that somebody's much. written it down and told you yeah, that so how right. do you don't know yeah. that there's not a Winston who was working in the department to correct history yeah. and the facts and well you know I mean we that kind of thing it's like you know I don't know what to say except that history is we have that that kind of slogan that that history is written by the victors you know and um i think it was very important that orwell wrote and put him, you know the, his main character in that position because of course you know i think we could all look at the history that we were taught i mean you know i i really can't even hardly read historical novels set in like revolutionary America because it was just so beaten down our throat am I right like that whole 13 colonies so we did every year we did the explorers then we did the 13 colonies and we kind of got I don't know the farthest we ever got for me in high school was the civil war right and so I mean that was like current events basically as far as history was concerned we really never studied like oh I think we we did one year at the very end of high school study the Great Depression but it was like a skip over and let's study the 1930s and 40s but 
you know, for instance, all the stuff that happened about like the Native Americans and you know the Cherokee Trail of Tears, all this yeah. stuff. Like none of that even gets talked about, you know. But yeah. I mean, but history, I don't know. I, like I was, that, you know, that was my major history. Yeah, history same. Of, yeah, I loved history. Um, my, one of my questions and at uni was um, why did the least taxed British colony fight a war over taxation? Mm, and what they say? Well, I had to answer the question, so what did I say? What did you say? Oh, oh, they yeah. asked you that. Yeah, that was, that was my exam Interesting. question. Yeah. Interesting. But again, it, I think it kind of ties into all of this sort of stuff. So right what you were just saying, and I guess where I was starting that line of question is who discovered America or found yeah, it or whatever, yeah, yeah. Was if, and this alternative facts is probably everything is an alternative fact to some degree if you're not really checking it, because how do you know? So you, See, mostly I, in history, yeah. in high school, you're thinking, yeah, 13 colonies and taxation without representation, and you only stop at that. But did you go deeper to say, well, actually, they're not actually that tax, the least tax of the colonies, so why are they fighting this war over taxation? And then if you go even deeper than that, because you think, is it about freedom, or is it about freedom, or was it about economics? And you know, yeah. So if you really start getting into it, if you go beyond the stuff this you learn is, in high school... This is the thing that, that kind of... It becomes really nuanced, the idea of, of what we know and, and what is truth and all this kind of stuff. Because, mm. of course, like, you know, we go through the Enlightenment period where, you know, we're throwing off the church and all that superstition, quote unquote, and going into like the rise of logic and rationalism. And then we have, you know, the rise of the scientific method and that things have to be kind of factual and stuff. But we've moved into the postmodern era now where there's a lot of relativism come back in and there's a lot of moral relativism and a lot of cultural and social relativism and we're a lot of you know, looking at what is the experience of the individual and my experience isn't your experience. And I think that we have to be able to hold a perspective that there can be a subjective experience, but there is also, there has to be at some level a recognition of facts in a way that I think these things have become blurred in a really scary way. So that now that, you know, to the point where the spokesperson for the President of the United States can use the word alternative fact as if it's completely logical. You know, as if everybody just has their own facts and they're all equally valid. And it's like, well, that becomes Orwellian, like, scary, you know? Yeah, but I think it's always been that way. I think we got this term now, alternative facts, and we kind of bring in Orwell back to relevancy. But... I don't know that it's never Yeah, not maybe. Been I mean, he way. was writing it back, you know. Well, he was writing it back yeah. then. And then if you think about sort of our early American history and the whole sort of uh, yellow journalism and all that sort of stuff with Cuba and, you know, all, you know, all these things have probably existed for a yeah, long that's time. True. We've, we're, they're now getting... So I guess the, the fact that it's more available, knowledge and, and information is more available, is bringing it into a wider scope and maybe more people who want to act like individuals are questioning it so it's become more in our consciousness but I think the control of information um, has always probably been there you know from all the way back to your tribal chiefs you know you have your shaman who's got this collective knowledge and only he can speak for the divine and come down and and yeah. you have to take his word for it that that's how <laughs> yeah. it is um, and so, and then, you know, I, I don't know if that's just a measure of our way of to control people is through this, you know, is that our innate uh, biological need to can power for power and control. And so we... Just to fight against that? Well, to, and to do it. Not mm. only just to fight it, yeah. but to consolidate power and have power over others, you know. Um, so, yeah. I, so, I... I I guess coming back to your point, I think it's always been there. It's becoming more into more people's consciousness. And I think there's more people who are, who are individuals who are now have more means and ways to get in and try to expose what's happening than perhaps before. I mean, the Internet's just making it great to so you could blogger. And you've got like one of the guys that goes to the 1984 symposium, his full-time occupation and job, what he does is this, is going and exposing all the various different ways that the government is controlling us and, you know, 
having all these alternative facts or whatever. I mean, that's his job. He's yeah. out of Bristol. Is where um, he makes his... He's a former BBC journalist, but blogging just has made it um, easy for him to be able to get out and write this stuff up and, and get an audience. Yeah. Um, if you think of people like Alex yeah. Jones. Um, and yeah. I, I think that, you know, I suppose, like, where we kind of need to to like end up with this conversation with ourselves is what are we individually going to do about it in terms of like how much are you do you feel like you want to educate yourself on what's happening and where do you personally draw the line like you know do you buy one of the covers that now goes over your you know laptop no i get naked for them i get naked and expose myself in front of my little webcamming well, you might as well entertain people and give them a show. Well, see, this is the Ruth thing. Because Ruth has done like, the other. She's covered hers up, whereas I'm like, you know, I perform for them in front of the little camera. <laughs> it's like, hey. You're, you're uh, um, raised on the internet now. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, so my personal place to it is I know that it's there, and it may be if I was more, if I was more revolutionary-minded... I would be up in arms and crazy and want to expose But then I suppose, and, you know, another aspect might be, do you, what do you do in terms of keeping your own, like, do you have that VPN or whatever that, that hides your own personal network? Or, you know, do you cr- kind of create, do you address the security issues of your own kind of house? Or do you, you know, what, I suppose yeah. everyone has to kind of make those decisions. And I suppose, I suppose that's where I feel like maybe we, you know, I can end up is that it's important to at least know the basics about this stuff so you can make a decision about how you feel about things. Because, you know, we all have this, I mean, I think that the conversation ironically is going on about what do we put up on Facebook in terms of kids' pictures and all this stuff. But like you're saying, this stuff is already out there, this, this information about what our kids look like, what their names are, what their biological data is. Mm. The government already has that stuff. And we might trust that system and not trust people who might do. well but but and maybe not trust people that might hack in and try and get data to steal our, our identity or our kids identity or whatever but i suppose you have to kind of recognize a little bit about what's happening so you can decide how you want to approach it as a person i would throw out there for anybody that works for a company to go talk to one of your it guys and just ask them how many attacks do they get on the system per day i was doing some work with a private security firm um i think they're called pink and he in their office they've got the map of the world and they can show you at any one time that attacks and where they're coming from and how and it's just amazing you just look it looks i don't know if you've seen that movie uh, war games back in the 80s yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh it looks like that though yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's a it's a big map there yeah and you can and you could and you just see and just because it's all controlled by computers and stuff it's not like as a human's got to be there the whole time but the frequency... He's not the in the back dark room, no. super pale but white the, guy exactly. listening to really banging <laughs> like rave music. But, and <laughs> But there will be those guys that do that. But you can see the attacks that are going on. Even on my, my flipping um, blog, and I'm like nothing. I was looking on today, there's been like 20... Over the course, it's not in a day, but over the course of the time that, that I've had this um, security program in, I've had 25,000 some odd attacks. Um, just my little nobody blog um, people trying to get in so you imagine if you've got something that's important how many attacks so I bet you if you ask your IT department they probably get 25,000 attacks in a day on any, any company that you're working for that has some measure of sort of data um, they're having these attacks and if you think that you're you know, well, I don't want to post this, I don't want to do that. Well, if someone wants it, they've got it. Because there's so many places that your data, as you just said, that are there, that I can hack in and get your data from that. Um, be it government, be it your bank, be it... So maybe I don't need to be so worried about sharing my feelings and thoughts on the internet, hey? 
Well, no, maybe not. Maybe. <laughs> well, it just depends. It's like, you know. Because I've had this big issue I was talking to you about at yeah. the beginning. It's like, you know, how you know how much do you share on the internet when you know that it's going to be up there forever and how much of yourself and your kind of thoughts. And but your, there's, a, you know, there's a but, yeah. valid questions as well. Because when I was, again, studying these guys and learning about it, and one of the ways of identity that is that, that let me piece together all the stuff that I can find on you and it's easy to con. And then I just, I did as an experiment, I was doing some stuff for uh, a bank on this identity fraud thing. So of course we had to learn how it happens. And so on my train journey to London, I thought, okay, well, let me put into practice some of the stuff that these guys do. And there was a person that on my train route, they got on the train every day, the same time and place, and they sat in the same seat. So I was set behind them, but of course, they were doing work going in. So I learned a ton about this person. I didn't do anything with it, of course, but just yeah. the fact that they're in their own bubble because she used to get on a computer and she'd be doing emails, so I knew her name, I knew what university and stuff that she went to. Oh my to, gosh, knew that's worked. scary. Um, and just those, and those was, that was just from information that I got from her, where she got onto the train and what she was, the stuff that she was working on on the computer right in front of me. And then taking that little bit of information and going in t- onto the internet to piece together the rest of the story. So I could, you know, if I was a con man, I could easily bump into her and say, "Oh yeah, remember you were at this thing? We met here because I, you know, because this is where you're coming from. We're posting all this stuff on social media. Oh my god! It was gosh. easy for me to go. Oh yeah, remember last year when we were at this thing? And I'm so open to <laughs> attack. You could totally con me. <laughs> we I'd met because like, I'm I'm terrible with like names and yeah, stuff. Exactly. I'd be like. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. But because I'm talking about something familiar, and then I could drop some names because I just went and did all my research, and then you'll just be like that because human nature is to be polite. So, oh, yes, don't remember, blah, blah, blah. But then there we go. We got the report started from that, and off we go. And I, I don't have any money, so don't try. Yeah, neither yeah. do I, which is probably the other reason why. They get in, they're like, oh. It was like, wow, man. What's that? I've seen something. I know we got to stop now, but I saw... Um, this guy was, uh, was a travel writer and he'd got, he got robbed in some foreign country he was in or he was being robbed um, at gunpoint. But he ended up becoming friends with the people that were meant to be robbing him because they were like, you're robbing me because he didn't have anything. All they had was like a Mickey Mouse watch. And so they were like, so in fact, in fact they sat down and had a smoke with him and they were like, you're robbing us because... All you got is this, this watch that's not worth nothing. Um, so, yeah, that's funny. So that's, that's how it would be for me. If you like to, they'd be like, you're robbing us. You ain't got dick. <laughs> All right, let's, um, let's call it a, a day. All right, well, you've now terrified me, so thank you for that. Yes, good. Well, the thing to know that there's nothing you could do about it anyway, so just relax into it. Yeah, all right, fine. I think that's the only place I can be because I can't get yeah there I can't are, get worked up about too many no, more things in life I mean, because it's, it's too much you, at the moment. You know, that you can do to minimize it, but you know I guess the, as you say, it's making your personal choice about how far do you want to you know like I said, some of the guys that'll be at the symposium tomorrow, you know they yeah. wear hats so that you know they're like Gene Hackman in the Enemy of the State, wear the baseball cap so that the CCTVs okay. can't see them. They freak out when when we do in the symposium again because there's a couple of the guys in the symposium who are higher up on the sort of watch list. So when we're there and the airplane goes over, you know they're not happy when airplanes fly over the planes that we're. This is that old world flipping green, and so they're not happy about that. Um, the pictures that we take, they won't be any of the pictures, so they purposely make sure that that when we are doing all our oversharing <laughs> that yeah. they're not in any of the overshare. Right, right. Um, so, but yeah, so, you know, they can, there's some people who are the go to that extent. Yeah. Um, where you couldn't. And then the other thing, sorry that I know we're like yeah. way over time, but the other thing that I wish we had talked about a little bit more about people can watch is that the show Hunted yeah, oh, yes, it? the hunted. Yes. Yeah. So we'll, tell, tell we'll, us. We'll talk about that, and then we'll, then we'll definitely we'll finish. Okay. Um, I think it's been interesting enough of an episode to allow us to, to be so over. <laughs> um, what uh, hunted is a it's on ne- it's on Netflix. No, no, it's on regular TV. I think okay. I could, it might have been on Channel Four or something like that. Okay. Um, there's a UK version is where it started, at, and then they've just started doing it in the. Yeah, in fact, it's on four. If you go to is it four, a reality TV show? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. what it is. Essentially, what they do is they take ten people, ten or sixteen people, however the number, 
um, people, and usually you do it in pairs, but they have people that have done it in singles, and then you basically, you're on the run is how it starts. And you don't know when they're going to tell you you're on the run, and you get a 24-hour head start before the hunters, these big you know, CIA, ex-CIA guys, and Texas Rangers, all these guys whose job it is to hunt people down from a surveillance point of view, from a government point of view, intelligence point of view, then have 10 days, I think it's 10 days to find you. And if you can survive the 10 days, then you get the prize money. Um, and essentially you gotta get to a location and on a plane or boat or something and escape and you'll get, get the money. Um, but as they're going through the show, you see both sides of it. You can see what this, how the guys do, their, what, how they piece together with CCTV, how they piece together stuff from vehicle recognition, um, if you use the ATM machine, all these things that they can use to sort of track you down. And Facebook, and this is where you would get scared again, is they use Twitter, Facebook, and stuff like that to piece together who your social network is. And if they can't find you, then they just start monitoring people who are in your extended circle. And then they can start to piece together, okay, well, last place we've seen you was in this part of the country, based off your social network, who might you know or turn to that's in that sort of space and all those sorts of things. Um, I think they start off with a little bit of cash, like, uh, and they can draw a small amount over the course of the 10 days from an ATM, but you have to really think carefully because soon as you draw money from ATM, boom, they, pretty much everyone that's done going through this nearly the, their, their downfall has almost always been needing to get money and go into the ATM because as soon as they do that they got the cameras and then any vehicles yeah. that have taken off they got because the highways and whether people know this or not you know are constantly scanning your, your, your license, license plate. plate so then they can you know find you that way if you're using a cell phone but a lot of guys are smart enough to use burner phones but even while you may have a burner phone, the person that you're calling doesn't, so they monitor those people's calling records. It's and crazy. When they see I, it, I, yeah. I'm not sure if I can watch the show because this is my one like uh, recurring dream yeah. it, that I have is always the same theme. You know, people have these recurring yeah, dreams, yeah. but it's like it's always different. But I'm being chased. I don't know if you remember that cartoon where it's like the. It's like an old Looney Tunes cartoon, and there's the blue dog, and he's yeah, just yeah. always there. You know, and the what is it? The, the guy like runs away from him and goes through 50 billion doors and up a skyscraper and down the, you know, and yeah, all this stuff. There. And then he opens the door and he, the guy, like the blue dog is still there. And like, that is the feeling is like you, that you can't get away. People are chasing you and you can't get away. That like freaks me out. The good news story is the ones that have done the best are the ones who managed to stay off the grid the most, who have decided to go camping, stay out in the sort of trees or the woods. But even then, because we're not born to be hunters, they get forced to go into some populated area because, well, I gotta get some grub or I gotta, you know, I've got, they've, they're forced to go into population at some point and then as soon as they get into anywhere where there's population and there's cameras and stuff like that, then they start to yeah. you know, pretty get closer to get caught. But there's, and every, and every one that we watched so far, you know, if someone's managed to, avoid and, and some of them were very clever like one guy was really good with the disguises and stuff like that and mm -hmm. stuck to the like waterways and pretty much used um you know pretty much tried to stay off his grid as much as possible and his last group and this is my last bit they did really well is that they knew because they were it guys so they knew how to massive internet usage um and then one of the things that they did was instead of my extended network, they got someone in their extended network to pick someone completely random, no connection with them, mm -hmm. and then they make connection with that person. So there was no link mm. to this one to that one. Um, but even that had its flaws because someone in the, with the random, all of a sudden their phone records changed and it was a random and so they were like, oh, that's interesting because they haven't yeah. really talked to this person and however long and all of a sudden there's a pattern of them talking to this person. So, But anyway, yeah. all these uh, algorithms, all the pattern, all the data in your car, you're leaving these trails, the things you buy, think about Sainsbury's and wherever yeah. you shop, they send you a, a gift card 
and say, oh yeah, happy birthday type thing. Because I see what you're buying, I know what you're buying. Um, every time you go anywhere and spend any money, someone's tracking Well, I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to watch The Hunted, but uh, it <laughs> right, sounds really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Um, good stuff. Have one in the conversation. Happy to uh, entertain and hear you guys' thoughts on the subject. Have a good one. This episode of the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast is brought to you by people just like you, wonderful listeners. So thank you very much. If you have a spare second and you want to click over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review or just some stars, that really helps us out a lot and helps other people find us who might enjoy the show. And if you would like to contribute to the show, then you can contribute as little as a pound an episode or less than a coffee an episode um, if you head over to havanacafesessions.co.uk and click on the contribute button you'll find all kinds of different ways that you can help us out thank you so much if you have already contributed in some way or if you're thinking about contributing and really even just telling other people who you think might enjoy the podcast or um, joining in the conversation is very, very helpful. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Sarah Hunt, and on behalf of Clay Lowe, goodbye, and we'll see you next week.